0: Kindergarten through third grade are dismissed for junior church. If you are still here, I encourage you to take your Bible, and if you don't have one, find one under a pew chair and turn to Matthew chapter 1. We are going to look at Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2. We're not going to look at every verse or anything like that, but uh, that's the direction we're going. The first sermon in this series was, it's all about the book, looking at the Old Testament. Old Testament. And what it said about the coming Messiah. Last week, it was all about the glory of the, the Lord, which was with the shepherds. The glory of the Lord shone round about them. The glory had now come back to Israel in the form of the Messiah. And today, Rick didn't know this, but he had a perfect introduction to this sermon. It's all about the unusual. Matthew chapter 1, starting there and going through chapter 2, you will find one odd, unusual, not normal event after the other. This is not a normal birth. There is nothing about it that's normal. So this morning, with no further ado, we're going to look at these things. I will be going through them very quickly. Uh, Notes are available if you want them for additional details because there's a lot more that I will not cover. But the first thing that we're going to look at occurs in Matthew chapter 1 verse 11. There are in this chapter two very curious entries into the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Two things that normally don't happen. In the line of the Redeemer, in the line of the one who is going to be the king, the eternal king, In the line of David, there is in verse 11 a man by the name of Jeconiah. He is also called Coniah and Jehoachin at various places in the Bible. Uh, He is the last king in Judah, and it says in the Old Testament that this man was cursed. No one from his line or of his descendants would ever be on the throne of David nor ruler in Israel and yet he's in the line of Jesus so here's what you need to know about this curious event and entry and is this if Jesus was the physical descendant of Joseph he is fully completely unqualified and unable to be the one who sits on the throne of David and rules during the millennium just not possible Because Jeconiah was cursed. That's the first thing. But as we know, Joseph is not the physical, I mean, Jesus is not the physical descendant of Joseph. But we will see that he has the right of leadership through Joseph. He has the right to be the king. The second entry that we're going to look at is in verses 15-15. And 16, because there it says, uh, Jacob and to Jacob was born Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus, who is called the Christ. All of the rest of them go from one person to the next to the next, but when we get to Joseph, it simply says, to Jacob was born Joseph, and Mary is his wife, of whom? The of whom in Greek. Is feminine. It cannot refer to Joseph. It absolutely puts in stone that Jesus was not the physical descendant of Joseph. He is indeed the physical descendant of Mary. Very clear. You cannot get around that. There's no way to spin it otherwise. And it says that he is going to be called Jesus, who is called the Christ. Jesus simply means Jehovah or the Lord saves. And of course, the Christ is the one that's anointed by God to speak on his behalf. So this is just curious. In the line of someone cursed and his father is not the one that is mentioned the wife is. We're going to see why that's true in just a few moments. The second thing we're going to see starts in chapter 1, verse 18. The conception of Jesus was unheard of. It's something that has never, ever happened before. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When Mary His mother had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Betrothal is not the same as our engagement. You will see as we go through this, Mary and Joseph, before the marriage was consummated, before there was a marriage ceremony, if you want to know what a marriage ceremony in those days looked like, Go to John chapter 2, the wedding at Cana, and you will get a really good picture of what a wedding was like in those days. But they are spoken for, in the way this is written, that's exactly it. They were the possession of each other. They were called and treated as husband and wife, even though they never lived together, they had not consummated the marriage, they never had sex, none of those things. But they were considered husband and wife, and to break that relationship and be able to get remarried, here's what Joseph would have had to do. He would have had to prove that Mary had been unfaithful, that she had committed fornication, then he could divorce her and get remarried. Other than that, that couldn't happen. In fact is, we're going to see that when he found out about that, It was a disgrace to him, but he, being a righteous man, chose to put her away secretly. We'll talk about that in a moment. So this betrothal is normal, but what happens is that in that betrothal period, we don't know how long it was. A betrothal period was normally approximately one year. Somewhere in there, and we don't know exactly... Mary became pregnant, not because she was immoral, but because the Holy Spirit uh, began within her. One of her eggs, and he, whatever it takes, and by the way, you're going to ask me how that works? I do not know. The Bible doesn't tell us. All we know is the Holy Spirit made that possible. It doesn't work that way with human beings. It takes two. In this case, there is no father God is the one that does it by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit actually carries it out. Now, this is important in our story because there are those that try to give an explanation for this. All of them fail. For example, the Roman Catholic Church says that Mary was born without sin. They call it the Immaculate Conception. That Mary was born without sin, and so, because she's the physical mother of Jesus, Jesus wouldn't have a sin nature. Absolutely will not wash with Scripture, because we will find that Mary herself said that she is rejoicing in God, her Savior. Now, if she needs a Savior, there's a problem here, folks, because she was a sinner like everyone else. And even if she would have been created, born without sin, it flies in the face of everything that we know in scripture. And I'll show you that in a moment because all people are born in sin when they have biological parents. There's also the possibility, and some people have taught this, that the sin nature is not passed on biologically. In other words, for a person to be a sinner would mean that each individual conceived embryo would have to have a sin nature placed in them. That's not how the Bible says it. In fact is, if that's the case, we couldn't have all sinned in the likeness of Adam's offense. By his transgression, the Bible says, and we're going to look at Romans chapter 5 verses 18 and 19, he was truly a descendant of other people. And for Jesus to be sitting on the throne of David, he must be a physical descendant of uh, David. And so that just won't work. In fact, is it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 18, so then as through one transgression, there resulted in condemnation to all men. In other words, the sin nature is passed from parents particularly the father, to the children. That's how it works. It's happened that way ever since the beginning. Now, there are those that teach that Jesus inherited a sinful human nature, just like all the rest of us. Think that one through for a second. We already read from Romans chapter 5, but there it says and continues on after I stop reading, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted in justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made strangers, uh, sinners, I'm sorry, even so through the obedience of the one, many were made righteous. If Jesus was born with the possibility that he could sin with the sin nature, he also whether he actually sinned or not, still needed a savior. The point is, he is God who took on a human body. And remember what I said last week, human nature is not inherently sinful. It was added because Adam and Eve sinned and they passed it on down to all the rest of us. Jesus did not have a human father. And so he did not have a sin nature. The, the Bible is very clear that he is the seed of Mary, and Mary's genealogy, and you've got to go to Luke to find that, is also goes back to David and Abraham, etc., but she did not come from the line of the promised Redeemer. She did not come through Solomon. She came through another son of David, Nathan. Still biologically she goes right back to David and Abraham etc the point is in this whole thing is if Joseph was the human father he had a sin nature just like the rest of us and he himself needed a savior but that's not what the bible says the bible says that he is the savior not the one who needs a savior but at the same time he had the credentials to sit On the throne of David because he is indeed the physical descendant of David. It's very interesting when we get to the part where Jesus is named, we're going to see something that I believe is very interesting. The marriage of Mary and Joseph was not normal. Normally, it was all pageantry and all the things. And you can look through the New Testament, particularly the Gospels. And it gives us the various elements that went into this. betrothal. and then they would go by night. And remember the seven foolish virgins and the seven wise virgins and all those kinds of things. All of those things show the biblical way that it was done in those days. And um, that is not what happens here. Verse 19. Joseph, her husband, notice what it says. Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. The words put her away are the words that are normally translated in Scripture as the word divorce. Because it was looked at looked like she had been immoral, he would have had the right to divorce her and then go get remarried. But he did not want to do that. And uh, he could have, by the way, under the law, had her stoned. But he did not do that. He simply was going to put her away secretly. He was going to do it behind the scenes. And they could do it that way. There was nothing wrong with them doing it that way. But they could have made a big scene out of this. And they could have made a big stink out of it. But he chose not to do that. But here's where you find an angel coming to him. Now, you're going to find angels coming here a few times. And if you notice in verse 20, it says, When he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Notice it's an angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord, as found in the Old Testament, is the Lord Jesus Christ himself appearing to people. In this case, Jesus Christ is in the womb of Mary. So this is just an angel, whether it's Gabriel or whoever, we don't know. He's unnamed. We don't know that. It could have been Gabriel. We just simply don't know. But he comes and says, Joseph, here's what I want you to do. He says, Joseph, son of David. Notice that's very clear. Joseph is the son of David. He said, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. If you have a version of scripture that uses italics to put words that aren't in greek there you're going to notice that the word as is in italics most versions read something like this don't be afraid to take mary as your wife that's not what it reads in greek it says don't be afraid to take mary your wife she's already the wife they just haven't consummated the marriage and she is still a virgin for that which been, has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She is absolutely innocent. She has done nothing wrong, but she has been willing to be used by God. That's Mary's claim to fame. Just like any other person who is willing to be obedient and do what God asks him to do. That's Mary. Nothing more, nothing less. It's a great privilege, no doubt about that. But she is no more nor no less than any other obedient believer. That's who she is. And the angel goes on, And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. And now, all this took place that what might be spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child." Now, we've looked at that in the past, so we're not going to look at that again. But we find that in Isaiah, that's exactly what it said. And the angel is just saying, Joseph, what is happening in your life? It's unusual. It's never happened before. Never will happen again. But it is what I've already said would happen in the past. The whole thing is unusual. But... Here's what happens, and here's where the real unusual comes, because this is out of the norm for their culture. He arose from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife. No pomp, no ceremony, no going in the middle of the night with his bridegrooms and all that. He just said, you know what? I am not going to put her out there in public display. I am going to make her my wife. That's totally unusual. That is out of the culture. That is totally out of the way that they, do. they did it in those days. And now notice verse 25. And kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. There are those that teach that there is the perpetual virginity of Mary that is absolutely not true. This verse, just by itself, with nothing else that you might know from Scripture, this proves that that is not true. The way it's written, he kept her a virgin. I don't want to bore you with a lot of Greek, but that is the imperfect tense, which means in the past there was an ongoing thing that he did. He kept her a virgin. It's ongoing. I don't put this on, it'll go popping. I got to be careful. Anyway, so in the past, he kept her that way until now there's a continuation. There's something else going to happen. There's the next step until she had given birth. You see, after that, they had a regular marriage, a normal marriage like any other person would have. Fact is, Jesus said, I have brothers and sisters. Those that don't like this teaching, say, oh, that was his cousins. And by the way, they're right. The word brother and sister actually was used for cousins, and it can be used that way. But that is not the way it's used in this case, because this alone says that she was not a virgin for the rest of her life, only until she gave birth. The whole thing was just not normal. Now, birth announcements. This was the most unusual birth announcement. Now, today, this cracks me up. Within seconds of a baby being born, there's a cell phone taking it, and it's sent out. Everybody on Facebook sees this baby, all crinkled and red and all that kind of stuff. You know, it used to be, uh, and I don't know where this comes from, guys would hand out cigars to their friends or a Hershey bar or something like that, or you'd send out... Uh, birth announcements. Well, now it just goes out instantly almost, but that's the way it was. Well, that would be normal for us today, but this birth announcement did not have the internet or even a, a postal service. This is a birth announcement that is just totally different than any other birth. And by the way, the people who saw the birth announcement knew ahead of time what to look for. That's very interesting. Look at chapter 2, verse 1 and following. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Notice what it does and doesn't say we have seen his star this star they saw in the east and if i understand how this worked that star went right in front of them right to herod right to jerusalem why do i say that because as soon as they met with herod it says the star went before them and stopped right over the house where jesus was Okay, so this is not a normal star. There are two words in the New Testament for star. One is basically what we would call a constellation. It's a whole lot of stars. It is used in Acts chapter 7 of the false gods that they brought along through the wilderness. This one here simply means something that is shining. It's interesting because if you go to the book of Revelation, you're going to see some things happen with stars. You go, that's not a regular star because stars don't act that way. Well, the answer is, you're right. They don't act that way. And this star is not like any other star. It's something that is shining. Now, I'm going to tell you my personal opinion. If I tell you a year from now that I don't believe this anymore, I haven't lied to you, I am now giving you my opinion. Remember the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were so afraid for the angels? I believe this is also the glory of God. It shouldn't surprise us that this kind of thing happens. Remember in the wilderness, they had a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that whenever it moved, the children of Israel moved. So it's not something new. But how did the magi know? By the way, we do not know exactly where the magi came from. We don't know exactly what they who they were. They were probably advisors to the king. So that's the wise man part of it. They possibly were astrologers, they were possibly magicians of some sort. We simply do not know. But here's what we do know. They knew and they had the time to study the sky and to observe things, and they saw a star that was totally out of whack with everything else. This was not a star millions of miles away or any of that kind of stuff. This was the star that was different than all the rest. Remember, they said, we have seen his star. What were they looking for? Well, when you go back to Numbers, chapter 22 and 24, you will find that Balak was afraid of the Israelites, and he called Balaam to come and curse them. And when Balaam came to curse them, he gives a blessing instead. In fact, he said, I see a star is rising. I see a ruler coming, not now, but, but far. They knew. How would they know that? How would they know the Old Testament Scripture? Remember, they were living in the part of the world where the children of Israel had been deported to, taken captive to. And maybe they had a copy of the Scriptures. Maybe they simply remembered this because the children of Israel uh, told them when they were in captivity. We don't know exactly. But here's what they do know. They know that it was his star... And that star, notice, they didn't ask Herod, you know, is there a king being born? What does that star mean? They said, no, we've seen a star. We know that he's a king. Where is he? And the other religious leaders came and said, well, he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. You know that from... Micah chapter 5 verse 2. He is going to be born in Bethlehem. And so you know what they do. They go and it says the star goes ahead of them. And I'm running out of time so you can read all this for yourself. The star goes ahead of them and stops right over the house where they are. Notice they go in and worship the child, not the baby. That's what the shepherds did. They came right away. They were in the vicinity. This is sometime later. He is now no longer called the newborn infant. He is now called the child. We do not know exactly how long that took. All I know is Herod the Great was a genius. And at the same time, he was the most ruthless, despicable character you ever want to find. One of his contemporaries said it'd be better to be his pig than his son. Because you know why? He killed his wives and his sons if he thought they were bucking against him. That's how ruthless this guy was. And so he makes a decree that all the baby boys in the environment and uh, in, in Bethlehem itself and in its environs should be killed if they were less than two years old. History doesn't record that, but here's why. Because there were probably only at that time 1,000 to 1,500 people that would be counted in that geographical area. And in a two-year period of time, you would not expect more than somewhere between 10 and 30 boys killed. Now, if you're the one there, you would be like Rachel weeping for her children, as it says here. But compared to this despicable guy who killed people just because he didn't like them or they just disagreed with him. It was nothing. And so it was a bleep in history, but obviously not a bleep to those who had their children ripped from them and killed. And that's exactly what happened in this. They are following a star. So this birth announcement is one that is written way long ahead of time and recognized by those who were looking for it. And the king, as I already mentioned, he was despicable. He's troubled. Nothing troubles Herod. You know why? Because if you trouble Herod, you don't live. (laughs) That's basically what it comes down to. He kills them. And so when the magi were warned, don't go back to Herod, they left and went home a different way. Herod now finds out that he was hoodwinked. He was tricked, my version says. And because of that, he is now angry, and that's when he gives the decree to kill all the babies. I, was, I, had a, I have an interesting um, illustration for this star because yesterday a, a bunch of guys from Garden Chapel put in new parking lot lights. Uh, I don't want to hear this story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Man, they work. If you come in here at nighttime, it lights the whole parking lot up. It's great. Except that when you hit the switch back in the foyer, three of them go into strobe mode on the off position. I don't know. Mark and I were confused several times because we had stray current, and we had all kinds of stuff, and we were hooking it up. We don't have a clue. I had to go come down here at 10 o'clock at night and... uh, turn the breakers off so that we don't have strobes and drive all the, the, the residents around here crazy because they're bright. The, the thing is, it got the attention. This got the attention, and it caused a stir. But you would expect the Redeemer of Israel and the Redeemer of the world to come from Israel, right? He's of the tribe of David and all those kinds of things. But guess what? He comes out of Egypt. Because when this decree goes out, an angel comes to Joseph, say, hey, Joseph, I'm back again this time, not to tell you you're going to have a son, but get up, go to Egypt. Because if you don't, Jesus is going to be killed. So Joseph, again, obedient to what the Holy Spirit through the angel tells him, takes off and they go down to Egypt. He stays in Egypt. And that's why the Old Testament says out of Egypt, I called my son they go to Egypt until Herod died. We know from history, Herod ruled up until 4 BC. So Jesus was born 6, 5, 4 BC, somewhere in there. And he died somewhere between 4 BC and 1 BC. So Jesus could have been anywhere from four to six years old when he came back. And when he came back, there's one more thing that is found. The Redeemer is to be called a Nazarene. And it says the prophets, plural, said that. You can search the Old Testament and you will never find that statement in the Old Testament. But normally it says, as foretold by the prophet, and it'll say Daniel or Isaiah or Ezekiel or something like that. In this case, it doesn't give that. Well, there's a reason. Because the Old Testament does not use the word Nazareth or Nazarene or any of those things. But it does say he's going to be despised. In fact, is uh, when Nathaniel said they, that he had found Jesus, they said, uh, Nathaniel says, well, does any good thing come from Nazareth? See, Nazareth was a city that was despised. If you lived in Nazareth, it was contemptible. It was a Roman garrison there. It was a place where any self-respecting Jew would not want to live. The Old Testament was very, very clear that he would be one that was despised and rejected by men. So in this case, it's not an exact quote. It is the principle that he is going to be found contemptible by most people. And that's why he's going to be called the Nazarene. Because to call someone a Nazarene would be, say, you're a second-class citizen at best. You would be looked at with contempt. I am way over time. Here's the bottom line. What Jesus has done and how he got here is out of the ordinary. It's not the norm. And if you choose to live for Christ, you will not be living like a normal person. You will be seen as somebody maybe contemptible. You will do things you go, people will go, that doesn't make any sense. You mean you give your money to the church? Why don't you use it to have a good time, buy presents for more people? You do that, you're going to be seen as weird. You You spend time serving the Lord, going to church, uh, working on projects, giving to missions. You do all those things. You go on mission trips. You're weird. Guess what? From the very beginning, the one who is our Savior, nothing was usual. Your life should never be usual if you're a Christian. It should be characterized by things that are out of the ordinary. I challenge you. Good time to start. Christmas time, people listened. People were at least a little bit open to spiritual things. Show that. Speak that. Act in that way. Have an attitude that is so different than everybody else's attitude. Let's all stand together as we close. Father, what a great God you are, and and you make it so clear that what you do is not normal, but it's supernatural. And the way you want us to live is as peculiar people, not not living the normal life, but you want us to live a life that's in obedience to the Holy Spirit, to the Word of God, to the prompting of our conscience that, that makes us live a life that's way different than the rest of the world. I pray that as we go into this time when we celebrate Christmas, that people that see us would say, wow, they're different. You don't get caught up in all the hoopla of the secular season, but that you truly focus on the unusual Savior, the unusual way that He came to this earth, the usual, unusual way that His birth was announced, and and His life. And Lord, that we would live that we wouldn't be following a star, but that we would be light and salt to those around us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Go with God and be a blessing to someone else.